Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm about to whip somebody's ass Oh, I'm about to whip somebody's ass Oh, if you don't leave me alone You're gonna have to send me home Cause I'm about to whip somebody's ass And welcome back to Real Bucks Talk Podcast. This is Michael Plus, joined by Mark Ramirez, as always. Uh, Mark, how are we we doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a long Monday, the usual case of the Mondays, but... Feels good to be back, man. It's been a while since we've done this. I think we have a, we have some great shows lined up. Uh, we're going to get some more special guests on. We got a special guest on tonight um, from Arizona. He covers the Cardinals, so very excited to have him on. Uh, he's with Cards uh, Wire and also with Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. That is Jess Root. Um, very excited to have him on. So this is going to be fun, man. It's going to be good. Yeah, like like Mike was saying. We have a long like it's the off season, but mm-hmm. the Bucks don't stop for us. Right. <laughs> we we bleed red and pewter, and we want to hear other people's opinions, get more knowledge, get more knowledge for y'all. This is what we wanted to do. It's not just the season's over. Oh, let's mm. just put our heads down because we sucked. <laughs> no, there's always a silver lining. You can always look forward to what the future is going to be, mm-hmm. and our what is our future going to look like with. BA's head coach, the coaching staff, the defense, and this is why we got Jess Root here mm-hmm. to interview and actually understand what someone firsthand knows. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun just to uh, pick his brain and and get you know some inside knowledge. I mean, you know, who better than to know what you know this coaching staff can bring? And also, we'll probably talk a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals as well, and then talk about. Um, you know, some we'll answer some fans' questions and, and stuff like that. So it's it's going to be fun, and I think we have them on here uh, now. Uh, Jess, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks again for uh, joining us. And, uh, um, I mean, how are, how are we doing tonight? Not too bad. Everything's going great. The Cardinals have been super busy in the off season so far. And, well, after, after a disaster of a 2018 things are actually looking up, but it's not like they could go down. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just like us, we have all this new stuff, new head coach, new coaching staff. Guess what? So do you, Mm -hmm. right? And are are you guys worried about it? Are you just excited, right? It's new, new beginning. I think right now it's, I think right now it's excited. Obviously when, when you hire a guy in, in, in Cliff Kingsbury has zero NFL experience, obviously there are concerns, but the intrigue, 
I think outweighs the concern, at least for now. Right, right. Nice. I mean, it's a whole different type of offense. I mean, everyone was talking about uh, the Oklahoma guy, uh, Riley Lincoln. Lincoln Riley. Yeah, Lincoln Riley. You literally got the guy that was pretty much Lincoln Riley. <laughs> yeah, only yeah. only the big concern is is like he isn't as successful at the college level. That's the that's the part that's a little bit that people wonder is like how did he end up because he's he wasn't a top tier college coach. So it's not like when we've seen Nick Saban come to the pros or Steve Spurrier come to the pros and, and you know come in and wash out or, or even Pete Carroll come in or or Chip Kelly. Kingsbury was is a second tier college head coach, but he's a brilliant offensive mind, and so it's it's going to be interesting because what the Cardinals really are doing, if we want to look at it, they are almost step for step trying to copy the LA Rams. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> looking for the <laughs> Sean McVay, right? Not only that, but it's not only that because when they signed Vance Joseph as a defensive coordinator. He's a Wade Phillips guy as well. So not only do you get the the the, the offensive innovation and, and the offensive mind in, in Cliff Kingsbury, they don't have an offensive coordinator by name like the Rams don't. They've got their young quarterback. And then the defensive coordinator that they hired is a Wade Phillips coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point, actually. Wow. I didn't really you know, tie them together, right? Awesome. All right, well. That's the Cardinals, and now it's time for our beloved Bucks, and who better to know? Actually, you know what? Before we do that, Jess, tell me a little bit about yourself. This is what we like to do in the podcast. We like to get to know who we're talking to before we actually talk football. So let's put a hold on football for just a second, right? <laughs> and let's talk about who you are and what you do, and not just following the Cardinals, but who are you? Well, um, well, I'm born and raised here in the Phoenix area here at Arizona, so I, I'm old enough to remember when there wasn't football. I remember when the Cardinals moved here from St. Louis in 1988, I think it was. Um, I was about 10 at the time. I started following the Cardinals as a fan in about 1990, so my early teens. So I remember when Neil Lomax was, you know, lost, and then this carousel of quarterbacks that followed from Gary Hogaboom to Tom Tupa to Tim Rosenbaugh to Stan Gelbaugh to uh, who else? Who else was it? Chris Chandler, Steve Berline, Dave Craig, Boomer Esiason, Jay Schrader, Jim McMahon. And there was, I mean, there was just pretty much any quarterback you could try and throw at it. They did until Jake Plummer. He saw some success. I'm a local guy, so I, I'm, I'm an Arizona State graduate. So Jake Plummer, Pat Tillman, they they followed my college heart to to the pros, and and we saw success briefly in '98 before things fell apart, and then another bunch of years of crap till <laughs> till Ken Wisenhunt come around, and then we've seen over the last decade um, the best decade of Cardinals football kind of turned the franchise around, even with the the bad seasons, it's really turned the franchise around. Now, personally, I started covering the Cardinals. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a second career that happened. My my first career is in education, teaching high school. I've got a family, wife, and four kids. Um, but it, in about in the last, I started writing and you know blogging about sports in, in 2010, and, and little by little, um, had more of an opportunity. 
uh, wrote and ran uh, and ran an, an SB Nation blog about the Cardinals called Revenge of the Birds for five years from 2011, about five and a half years from 2011 to 2016 till I got hired by by Cart by the USA Today Sports Media Group to run Cards Wire, which is where I'm at now. It's been two and a half years where we've taken the you know USA Today kind of get into the same idea the, the sports media group the own and operated sites and I've been running that ever since I've been working as credential media um, since 2012 and doing that alongside my other career I try to not to let the two careers uh, cross over so when I'm when I'm doing career one that's what I'm doing and and then my my persona really on uh, on social media and on Twitter is my Cardinals world. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I get to write about and cover a team that I grew up watching and it's, it's really quite enjoyable. Hey, so is career one, uh, teaching then? It is. Yes. I teach high school Spanish. Actually. Spanish. So, really? This is my 18th year in, in education. And, and so, you know, 18th year in education, about eighth year in, in the sports media world as well. Nice. Cool. Wow. I didn't take for. Can I hear a little bit of Spanish just, just, just to hear it? Bueno, tengo un acento argentino porque You sound like a damn Spanish radio host. No lie, right now. I, I lived a couple of years in Argentina where I learned Spanish awesome. there. So I, you know, living in Arizona, a whole bunch of people here speak Spanish. I am not a native Spanish speaker. I don't. My my family is not Hispanic, but I learned I learned it as an adult and and. I have a I have an Argentinian accent and a Mexican vocabulary and <laughs> yeah um I am a Ramirez I am like Hispanic you look at me you're like holy crap you speak Spanish then you hear how I talk and you're like that's a white guy <laughs> right? you're like what the hell happened there so I understand a lot when I go to speak I sound like what the hell <laughs> but hey I try as much as I can but yeah you sound awesome that in Argentina that's like the proper spanish right well they they claim it's the best spanish yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a it's a much different it's it sounds italian the the, the sound is like it, well, obviously the words are a little bit different than some other places in spain and argentina and in, in mexico and a lot of the other places but the way it sounds it sounds like a uh, it sounds like italian even though it doesn't sound like italian the the, the, the vocal tones and the register is the way their accent sound italian when they're speaking Spanish. Pure, yeah, right? Yeah. Man, Jess, that, that's awesome. Uh, now, you, you talked about, uh, you know, Air, uh, University of Arizona State, um, but what, if, like, did you, uh, I'm assuming you saw, like, the Cutter, Dirk Cutter tenure. Uh, what was your thoughts on, on that? You know, you guys are definitely aware of how he is. When it comes to X's and O's, he's great. Uh-huh. He's great. Um, when it comes to putting together an offense, an offensive game plan, he, he does get pass heavy. He does forget about the run, but he is, he's so bristly when it comes to anything about his public person. It's like, and I, and I, it's been years. And, and I, when the Cardinals were set to play the Buccaneers a couple of times over the last few years, I'd, I'd go to the, to the Buck site to, to listen to some of the interviews. And he really, he really just does not like 
talking <laughs> to reporters. Yes. It's like any anything they want to ask him, he's like pulling teeth and it's making it that's how he was here in that's how he was here as coach at ASU for the Sun Devils. Gotcha. Is he even got <laughs> there's our biggest um drive time sports talk radio show. They basically banned him from the show because they disliked him so much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn, that's bad. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's spot on. That's what we had to deal with for the last three years or four years, I should say, with Dirk Cutter. But um, now you talked about your, your father at four. So I'm assuming the kids, do the kids take much, much of your time when you're, you know, you know, off of whether it's teaching or, or writing for the Cardinals? Is it? spending time with them or what kind of hobbies do you do outside of football? Uh, mostly I taxi around my kids everywhere right now. I, my, 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 one of my sons and my, my kids are all teenagers and older. So I've got okay. my oldest, she's at, at college right now. Nice. My youngest, she's in eighth grade, but one of my sons, I'm actually, he has a, he's in an or he's in a symphony orchestra for, for, you know, it's, it's a, a youth symphony here. And I'm actually here at his rehearsal. He's got a concert tonight. So I'm sticking around for a couple hours while he has rehearsal. So between, you know, taxing around the kids, but my, my hobby, let's be honest, is my second career will cover the Cardinals because sports has always been the things I've loved. My hobby is my other job, <laughs> which, which is fun because I get paid to do it now. So it, that's, that's a big plus. It's a, it's a lot of work, and my wife sometimes hates it because I'm – that this job is never off. Both my jobs, I, I carry work around wherever I go. So, you know, oh, if news breaks, I've got to bust out my phone or my tablet or my computer, and, you know, on vacation. I'm writing stuff up. I've got to get this stuff posted. So, but yeah, I mean, it, my, my free time is, you know, taxing my kids around, making sure that they're doing the best that they can. Um, you know, getting a little, watching a movie here and there, but mostly it revolves around following the Cardinals and I'm, I'm a diehard at this point, and yeah, yeah. So are we. So yeah. I mean, we're diehard Bucks fans, but so it, we kind of have the same feeling towards you. I mean, I'm a father as well, seven year old daughter. I bid you like holy macro. I hope I'm just like you doing the whole taxiing. That, that's a job in itself. Haven't I have one, and it's a job. I can imagine four <laughs> running around doing a podcast, doing just your actual job, writing. Yeah, I give it to you. More power to you. That's awesome. Like yeah. people don't understand the ones that don't have kids. Be prepared. It's that. That's a job and stress in itself. So wow, kudos, brother, buddy. But uh, moving on, let's go to the nitty gritty of what we wanted to talk about. Let's since you are the the man with all the knowledge, let's talk about it. What can the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans expect from Bruce Arians, the former? Arizona Cardinals coach, head coach. Oh, you well, especially coming up, uh, coming off a guy like Cutter, BA loves to talk, loves to talk. <laughs> the reporters will love him. He says goofy things, you know. He he is he's old school and new and, and new age kind of all at the same time. He he works his players hard in practice, but is a players coach at the same time. Um, but the thing is, one thing about in terms of his public persona, that he he will he will tell a good story. He's got lots of catchphrases um, that you'll hear every every year. Um, but it's not always the truth. He he also just tells you things that aren't true, which 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 is difficult at the same time. I date back to I think it was a 2014 draft when 
they said they weren't interested in the quarterback. What they they ended up drafting Logan Thomas in the fourth round, and then afterwards he's playing said I like it. Um, there's been times when there was an injury in the in training camp. A uh, offensive lineman during college, he he injured his leg, and and the one thing that Arian said publicly is, oh, it's it's not that big a deal. It's not a fracture. Two weeks later, we found out, yes, yes, it was a fracture, but he <laughs> he just he's he's you know. He's really loose with the truth, but at this, he will call out players. He will praise players. He had, definitely has his favorites, um, and he's super loyal to his coaches. After what happened to him in, in Pittsburgh, that's one thing he he is he is staunchly loyal to his assistants, um, which is which is fun at the same time. Now, um, you might see a little bit of difference is that, you know, he is very unorthodox when it comes to some practice. You will not see organized team stretching. That's one thing that he says, okay, you guys as professionals need to come out. So now if you're in the locker, the, the, the strength and conditioning, the straight, straight and the conditioning coach, he will have a list of things that they expect them to do before they come out in the practice field. But he will not use any practice time for that. Because he he says that practice time is so limited, so that's one thing you'll notice. The, the, he he is a foul mouth coach, but will turn around and, and and love his players on the other end. So you will hear a lot of swearing on the field, <laughs> um, and you will see him go crazy on the referee. Uh, in terms of in terms of what you can expect from BA as 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 a play caller and as a coach he is really he, I mean, he makes connections with players he the one thing that is kind of his downside he is very intolerant of nagging injuries he does not like it when players end up injured often um if it's a legit injury it's fine he wants to get him back but if it's something that that starts to go past the timetable he has in his mind uh especially in the preseason and the training camp that will, you will note a difference in, in his perspective, and then a, a player will sour on him at some point uh, in terms of durability because he wants to be able to rely on guys. Uh, he's known for the no risk it, no biscuit. Um, he will, and, and with a quarterback like Jameis Winston, I think those two will go together really well, provided that Winston can communicate his decision making. Arians doesn't, you know, he, obviously he doesn't like turning the ball over him. He will probably blame his receivers for a lot of interceptions that might happen, which often is the case, but it, it, he's, he's got to, with Winston, he, he doesn't want them seeing the wrong thing. They, he wants their quarterback. He wants his quarterback to be explainable. Okay. What happened? What did you see? All right. So a couple of things, what you said. So, the fact that he doesn't value stretching and prehab things in practice or prior to practice is an issue for me because I have a I work in physical therapy, so that's a big that's, issue. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll correct you on that. It's not that he doesn't value it; he doesn't want to take practice time. He values it and tells the play, and they they have a regiment that they're supposed to do. He just doesn't do it in unison with the team. So he expects them to do it before, right? Yes. Yeah, because yeah, your work time is work time, so. Do this to get your body right prior right. to coming. Yeah, okay. And, the, and they use a lot of sports science about workload and and, and they, it, 
he does use a lot of the new new age sports science type awesome. things about and things like that. But no, it, it's not that he doesn't believe in stretching. He does not believe in. Oh, although he does, he will have a fun comment if they ask him about. It. He said, you know, <laughs> if a guy. If a dog comes after you, they're, they're, or if a guy with a gun's coming after you, you're not going to have time to stretch. So you're just going to have to run. It's true. You should be doing that prior <laughs> so that you're not that tight. Hey, he's right. And I like that that you said that, yeah, he has a pre – he actually keeps up with things. He's not that old school. He actually knows, okay, well, you guys need to do this out of here. This isn't the only one time you need to stretch. isn't right before practice. So that's actually pretty – I like that a lot. And then – um, offensively, yeah, I like how you. Another question was, you said he blames the wide receivers a lot. Well, James Winston doesn't blame anyone besides himself. Every every time, whenever something goes wrong, it wasn't the receivers' fault, it wasn't the lines' fault. Even though we can obviously see someone ran a wrong route, so the O line's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like you know about Cardinals line, the trash <laughs> last year. <laughs> but like. He just doesn't blame anyone besides himself. So you're saying Aries will point the finger? Well, it's actually perfect that way because, well, especially with Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer put things on himself. But when you talk to Coach about uh, what happened on that play, he always says our, our receiver's got to be running the right route, or the receiver's got to make a play on that ball to take them fuck that ball away. He, he a, a lot of the a lot of the interceptions, the turnovers that Carson Palmer had, he. And, and rightfully so on some of those cases, place the blame on the receivers for doing it. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that that's great. I think, you know, him and Jameis, I think knowing each other, I think is going to work out well. I think that relationship's there. Um, so that's, that's going to be a benefit. But you're talking about the offense. I mean, from an offensive standpoint, are we going to see a lot, you know, a lot of three, four wide receiver sets? I know he, he uses a lot of spread formations. Um, typically he likes to use his running backs as well in the, in the passing, uh, you know, passing games. So is that something we should, should look forward to? It's actually an interesting thing because that sort of evolved with David Johnson. Gotcha. He was on the record back in back in 2013. He was not big about involving running backs in the passing game, saying that's what you have receivers and tight ends for. Then he had an Andre Ellington. Then he had a David Johnson. Who well, David Johnson is basically two positions in one if you use them right, and that's where things changed um i don't i don't know what he did as much in terms of at pittsburgh how much he went empty uh empty set in pittsburgh but that being became something the most common set is three wide uh with a tight end and 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 a running back that's he doesn't he he will not use a fullback if you have a fullback on the roster he will be gone we because. just lost him. <laughs> <laughs> even if he's a good one, I mean, he's a, he doesn't value the fullback as a position because he uses other players at other positions to do that. So he'll bring in an offensive lineman uh, if they're going to go with that jumbo set to play as a fullback. Or the, he uses his tight ends to move around and will line up in the backfield or motion back into the backfield or start in the backfield and motion out. So... He, he has elements of what would be the full-pack position, but he doesn't believe in using a player dedicated to that position. Um, he is known for his flood routes, 
uh, in, in terms of the passing game. So he does a lot of flood routes with three receivers to one side and will just basically flood the field on one side um, to, to make things difficult for coverage. And, but at the same time, he's not against the running game. His, his offense is actually based on the power run game. Uh, you will see a lot, especially early of too tight, you know, your ace base package. Um, and he wants to use play action. Now that tends to go away after a little bit. He does run out a lot, run a lot out of, out of a two tight end set. And one thing that's different is that I, I not knowing off the top of my head, what, what type of personnel you guys have at receiver, he will expect his receivers to block. Um, that's one of the things Larry Fitzgerald became an excellent receiver. Um, with a guy like Mike Evans, I, I, he's not going to try and change him, but he moved Fitz from the outside to become a slot receiver, and it took about three years. But it, on that third year, so in 2013, 2014, it, it took him a little bit to adjust and, and to get in the offense. But in year three, four, and five, with in that system, it was an, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. He had a hundred he had 109, 107, 109 receptions in those three years, wow. playing a new position, and playing in the slot. Now Fitz ended up kind of being kind of like a glorified tight end in some way because he was asked to block mm-hmm. so much, and and the way he was used in the slot, I guess he would be. Uh, if you see around the league, some of those big receiving tight ends who aren't very good, at, who who can capably block but don't do much, he basically became that that extra tight end in a three wide set. See so who's kind of dual. He would never say that, but I, I kind of equated the way he was used as well. He was used a lot like the way Heinz Ward was uh, late in his career. Only, only Fitz caught a lot more balls. Very nice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy to hear that, especially the play action part. And then the, the power running game is, is going to be good for our personnel. Um, and then using, you know, uh, 11 personnel, 10 personnel, I think that's going to be very beneficial. And then you said receivers have to block. I think that pretty much means Deshaun Jackson is gone, right? I mean, because that guy doesn't block. Well, he does love speed. Yes. I mean, this is the guy that, I mean, if there's a type, so here, the Bruce Arians has a type of receiver that he drafts. He is 5'11 or shorter, <laughs> and, he, and he runs uh, sub 4, 440. Uh, so look at some of the names that, that, he, that, that he's had drafted. So there's Antonio Brown. There's, there's Antonio Brown. Yeah. There's Emmanuel Sanders. There's T.Y. Hilton. There's John Brown. There's J.J. Nelson. All of those yeah. guys fit that. Like, he, he will find in the draft, and he will become enamored with. J.J. Nelson was kind of like the... The worst of that, but his his speed was so. But he can't catch. That's the only problem. He's like <laughs> he is so inconsistent. Yeah. So he makes the most incredible catches, and then Drops. you just like why? I I I serious. I hope he's not on the roster again though. With this the offense that Kingsbury has, he might be real valuable. But I just you know he he was drafted. He only his best season at UAB was thirty five catches in college. Mm. He was. A dyna- he was the best kick returner in the country. That's all we expected from him was to be dynamic in the return game. He ended up being a little too he became he was actually too slight for the return game. He got hurt, he'd fumble, and, and he became much better, much more productive as a receiver than we ever thought he was. But then the expectations went. And if as long as he's your number four receiver who makes a play here and there, you're fine. But oh my gosh, he was it, catching footballs is just struggle. <laughs> 
a laughable kind of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but talking about the receivers again, you were asking about our, our personnel. We have Chris Godwin, who's a really, really good blocker. He's going to be the number two if Deshaun Jackson does get let go. I know B.A. saying that, oh, we want to bring back D-Jax, but I don't know. Considering how he was last year, how negative and how his relationship with Winston is, I, it's really up in the air right now. So we as Bucks fans don't really know. But Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, both can block. Both are bigger receivers. They don't fit that 5'11 and under. But still, they're beast receivers, both over 1,000 yards this season. And Adam Humphreys, hopefully, that fits your category, actually. Adam Humphreys, the little guy, slot receiver, perfect, but we got to sign him back. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that stays true to what you're saying because we got guys that can block, and we would love to run the ball because we couldn't run the ball at all last year. It's not that we had a crappy running back that couldn't do it, or just O-line couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so you were saying about power run scheme. Tell me, because you were talking about that, tell me not just about B.A., but what does Harold Goodwin do? Because now he's our O-line coach and assistant head coach. And then what can we expect from Byron Leftwich too, as our O.C.? You just had him last year. Yes. Um, Goodwin is a glorified offensive line coach. Uh, <laughs> even when he's the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals, that's basically his. He's, he, will, he, he loves the running game, and so he, he coordinates that. But he was... He, he is an O-line coach by trade, so he becomes another coach for the offensive line. Leftwich is very much, and it's really hard to gauge what he is as a play caller based on last year because he was working with the Mike McCoy uh, playbook, which was terrible. Um, Honesty. Jeez, uh, <laughs> that was, oh, that was just Let it out, let it out. I do not understand. I don't understand what all the talk of flexibility that Mike McCoy had. And then he never would use David Johnson split <laughs> out wide when that was and BA even said it last year when, in, when it's like they're, they have the blueprints that I showed everyone how to do it. You line up fits on one side and you split out David Johnson on the other side. And then the defense has to pick their poison. That's X's and O's, isn't it? It's basic. And he barely, David Johnson barely ran receiver routes last year when that's what he did a lot. So he, his usage rate was real high, but it became much more of a traditional running back last year. Um, Leftwich did a little more, but even still, it still was not what, it wasn't BA. But again, that was within the confines of they had a playbook already that was installed by McCoy at the beginning of the year. So how much he was going to really do, but the Cardinals, the Cardinals were more than happy to move on from left, which, which was sad, which was rough for a lot of fans, but they wanted new blood on offense completely um, left, which it, it's very, it's very telling that BA is willing to turn over play calling duties to left, because that's something he said he would really never do. And he, he said it would make, he would be bored as a head coach if he didn't call plays. So he said he would turn it over to someone who does it better than him or someone he can trust. And the fact that he has that trust in Leftwich is very telling. Um, he believes that Leftwich is kind of on the fast track to becoming a head coach someday. Part of that is, is Arians wanting to build his coaching tree. Um, but he, he, he sees guys early, like James Betcher, who's now defense coordinator for the, for the, the Giants, 
he they made him defensive coordinator after he'd only been in the NFL just a couple of years as a as basically an assistant and, and an assistant position coach, and he he did pretty fine. What yeah. I expect Leftwich's offense to match what Arians wants that that you're gonna there will be shots down the field. He says you know he's got to say. You've got he's got safe bullets. You don't want to you don't want to leave you you, you want to leave the you want to leave the gun empty empty by the, the the barrel empty by the end of the game. So you would take six six shots down the field that are just that we're going to take our shot. Yeah, media media is going to love that. Mm-hmm. I can say that. Yeah, he's he's got the, so he's going to talk he's got to talk about the offseason of soccer because they're playing in shorts. He's going to call he's going to use the phrase that I'd rather. I'd rather tell him whoa than sick him in practice, talking about the intensity of a player. Um, he's going to say something about stretching. And he's going to say no risk and no biscuit. He's definitely got, he's, he's got these phrases that, that he uses about every year. So they'll, they'll come out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were, you were talking about how he loves his coaching staff. He continuity. He likes to bring guys from the past. Majority of these guys are from temple, Right. I mean, and some, and specifically Todd Bowles, literally yes. played for him in Temple. He did, and then he came, brought him over from the Eagles, and brought him over to the Cardinals, and Todd Bowles became like the next greatest coach, defensively. And yes. then he went to the Jets, had a couple, three, four years there, and oops, Jets fall out of love. Out of love. It's New York, New York. What do you expect? <laughs> and then, as Bruce B. A. said. The stars aligned. Everything fell into place. Todd Bowles, thank the Lord, came to Tampa Bay. Now, how awesome of a defensive coordinator. Because we've heard a lot about Todd Bowles. He's good. How good he is, is he? Really good. We, I mean, this, Bowles is, in my opinion, he's one of the best in terms of, and what, what's more impressive about him is his, uh, the adjustments that's, that he makes after halftime. Uh, the, no, however things tend to go in the first half, the, the team will come out and the adjustments will be made in the second half. And you'll be like, wow, some of those, some of the couple of years that he, the two years he was here, the, the way they played in the second half of ball games was really astounding. Um, it's not an easy defense to pick up. Um, it is, uh, it, it is of the, I believe it is of the Dick LeBeau sort of, um, I think he comes through that line in a way, and so you see a lot of the of the, of the whatever they call the the I can't remember the term now that I can't remember the 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 fire zone blitzes. He blitzes all. He loves to loves to blitz, and yeah. he and it's interesting because you know you hear people talking about the blitz, and it's always something to for rushing the passer. He uses blitzes. A number of ways. So, uh, there was a one time you talked about the reason why you blitz. Sometimes you blitz for for the run. Sometimes you blitz to keep the to keep the the running back in the backfield. So it, it's just a another way to keep another receiver out of another pass catcher out of the play. So he does a lot of blitzing, not just to sack the quarterback or to hit the quarterback, but to disrupt whatever they want to do offensively. He will send five or six. You know, at least forty percent of the time, in terms of and that's just in terms of the passing game. His his run defenses are really solid. You you need you need your your it'll be a three four scheme. 
the the edge players there at outside linebackers. He 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 is okay with having guys who are run stoppers and playing on kind of a first and second down that that will set the edge. Um, now Levante David's still a big part of your defense, correct? Yes, yes sir, very much. Okay. So. He should put up monster numbers. It's that defense is is sort of schemed so that the linebackers make all sorts of plays. Yeah, so, uh, sorry to interrupt you, uh, but. Like you said, linebackers, but then also safeties. I would say linebackers and yeah. safeties are very important in that defense. Is that correct? It is, though the safety position is pretty interchangeable. It is not a high-value position in, in his defense. You can plug and play most anybody, especially if you've got a – you'll want one – a guy that's kind of a box safety type player. And and the way that Bowles schemes his defense, it's less about strong and free. It's more about side of the field. So they're kind of interchangeable. But if you notice kind of the trend that the Cardinals had, they did not, they, their, their premier, their value positions are at corner in the slot. And the safety position, they could pretty much put plug and play guys there. So they've gone through guys like Jeremiah Bell, just like old old guys that have been there, Rashad Johnson, DJ Swimmer, they've had a number of them, and and they all produce. No, that's awesome. Like you talk, like talk about guys like Dion Buchanan, and then also you know, of course, uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews. So guys like that is is something of value to his defense, where he can, you know, move them around a little bit and play kind of hybrid roles, but also take matchups away. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yes. There? Yes, and. The, the move of, of Dale Buchanan to linebackers, who's a safety in college, was to create sort of yeah, and, and Buchanan's actual play. And I, I believe, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Buchanan lands. And I, I would imagine there are a number of players who will gravitate towards the Bulls defense. I could see, uh, you know, J.J. Melson might make his way out to Tampa. Um, Dale no, no, Buchanan. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Buchanan is probably a guy that will want to see his career resurrect, and he was best. He was best in. He was very good in bowls and fantastic with Betcher. Um, and so, I wouldn't be surprised to see him out there. Um, but that was sort of a new thing that Bowles did. That wasn't a thing he already had in mind. He. When he had that that player, he decided, oh, we can use him. Let's just take the safety who's got the speed and the, the you know this ability to cover like a defensive back, but the physicality. Let's put him a linebacker at this this hybrid role and keep him clean with another with another player in there. Because what, what originally they were supposed to like the two the best linebacker plays when they had. Carlos Dansby and Daryl Washington. Let's be honest. Um, and Washington was a little bit more undersized. Dansby with the, was, was uh, he could move in space, but he was still also big and could take on blocks. You're going to want a guy who can. Now, David can do it all. That's that's uh, that's not a yeah. problem there. He can do it all. But you might see a guy next to him who is leaner, um, faster, maybe. Who who if they try to bring a more hybrid player in. But if they've got if they've got solid linebacker play already there, then that probably won't be an issue because they also ran with Larry Foot and Kevin Minter. They had a Kevin Minter who was your 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 traditional run stopper, you know, pick up the 
you know, he's the hammer of that defense. And then they, they had Dan Buchanan to go with him. And then Kevin Minter or Larry Foote, and even at his last year of his career, was barely hanging on, was still making plays. Jess, you're blowing my mind right now. I'm, I'm taking notes of everything you're saying and putting what you're saying with our personnel right now. Yeah, you know Levante David. Everyone knows they should know Levante David. He doesn't get no, like notoriety enough. He's a hell of a football player. He's always around the ball. Everyone knows of him. Fast, around the ball. Quan Alexander is coming off the ACL. Again, really fast in space. Has a nose for the ball. He, those two seem like, in a 3-4, like you were saying, would be our middle linebackers that would be flying yes. towards the ball. And then you said they, he puts a primary position of cornerback and slot. Now, my mind is thinking, okay, well, the Honey Badger was one slot kind of anywhere around the field safety, but he was just so interchangeable, which is awesome. We have two guys, Justin Evans, who's he got hurt again last year, but again, very athletic, very a guy that's Fast towards the ball, hard hitter. Same thing with Jordan Whitehead, who's our other safety, who had a really good rookie season. Our, we were already were excited that Todd Bowles was coming because of those two. My thing, my big question was, you're so adamant about 3-4 and that Bowles values a lot of run-stopping defensive linemen. So we have Joe McCoy, everyone knows, a three-tech, right? I mean, your Cardinals team last year would have loved him. But the thing is, it's just yes. he jumps a lot of gaps, which makes it vulnerable for the run. How does Bowles view that? And considering he's a genuine four-three-three technique, I mean, I honestly think he can play through like in a three-four outside, be the defensive end. But how much value you're saying run stopping? So Joe McCoy jumping those gaps is going to cause an issue. What do you view of Joe McCoy in this scheme? Well, um, it's not a true. So Bulls 3-4 is not a true two-gap. Um, they do want penetration from, from, their, from their interior linemen. So it's not a true LeBeau system. Uh, Calais Campbell put up monster numbers. Calais Campbell put up monster numbers from, from that defensive interior position there. Um, they view the uh, Corey Peters played that position as well. Darryl Dock, Darnell Dockett was not as much a fan of it, but that was at the tail end of his career. He was, he was definitely the, the true three technique, but that five technique there, um, McCoy's good enough that he can play really anything and they will, but it isn't, it isn't the true two gap type scheme that they have. Um, uh, what is it? It's a one gap, it one gap attack up the field, right? Yeah, it is. It's a it's a one gap three four. So it's not quite a traditional three four. So you can you can get guys. He he is going to have to he is going to have to to occupy space. But that penetration, he, he's good enough that they will be able to use him in a good way. If you kind of look at some of the the, the the numbers that Calais Campbell had, he played that that defensive end position. The Cardinals ultimately uh, that last couple of years just called all three defensive line position, defensive tackle positions. Cause essentially that's what they are. It's three interior tackles with two offensive uh, outside linebackers who are your edge guys. And, and they just called the entire defensive line defensive tackles. Um, 
And Calais Campbell put up big numbers. He had, you know, between six and eight, six and nine sacks a year, put up all sorts of tackle numbers. So he was incredibly active all the time. And I, they anticipated that Robert Kamdichi could do the same thing. Even though Kamdichi truly is uh, like a Gerald McCoy type. Yeah. Um, just have, hasn't been able to do it, not disciplined enough. McCoy is good enough and is good, smart enough and disciplined enough that he will be able to succeed in that scheme as well. So – Lastly, about the defense, would you say the primary strength of Bulls' defense is in the linebackers? That's where, well, that's a really good question. The, you, they can generate possession. Interestingly enough, let's see, the first year, they, did, they had John Abraham at the end of his career off the edge. He can take decent pass rushers off the edge. It's, it's always better because, but the Cardinals did not have any premier pass rushers um, when they had both. Um, they had Alex Okafor, who was okay. They had John Abraham, who, who for one year was really good. He can, he can really kind of generate and, and manufacture pressure using a rotation of guys. You, you need probably one it is the, the inside linebacker position is really important. He can make do with guys off the edge that are capable. Uh, you might have to play. Okay. You've got your run stoppers to play in base. And then you've got, you bring in your, your more pass rushers when they, when they drop the, the nose tackle and, and go with uh basically becomes a two, four is how they're, is how it goes. But really, it's, it's basically a four-man line, but they drop the nose tackle. You've got the two DTs and, and the outside linebackers. More or less, sometimes they're hands on the ground, sometimes they're standing up. So schematically, it's either 2-4 or 4-2 when you, when you look at their nickel. I mean, that's, I mean they, literally, they, that just made a whole mm-hmm. bunch of ideas and concepts and just putting what you're saying to what, I'm thinking about what our personnel is, and thank you very much for that because that mm-hmm. cleared up a lot of a lot of questions, right? And a lot of where is the strength, where is what does he value, kind of thing. And like mm-hmm. these are things that we wanted to know as Bucks fans because I mean we don't know. It's a whole new coaching staff. Same with you with Kingsbury, right? Like right, right. Don't know. I honestly have no idea what that's going to look like here offensively because they want they kind of want to temper it a little bit to the pro game so i have zero idea at all what the offense is going to look like mm-hmm. i do have a kind of idea what it's going to look like on defense no none whatsoever on offense at all <laughs> yeah, i mean that that's what comes with being a college coach you don't know how much to look into it right i mean and then he was fired he's like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah that's a whole other question and a whole other podcast for that one but uh Let's, last last question, like team-wise, how BA controls a team. He has his own heartbeat on the whole team. Like, what is the team chemistry of a BA-led team? Like, offensively, defensively, special teams, like everyone together. Like, are they really that close knit? And like, or is he just that good at like getting players to push and like run through that wall and push and be the best player they can be because how he talks with people and how he can relate with guys. He's, he's really that good. Um, he's big on, uh, well, I can't remember what it, I, I keep thinking back to Steve Wilkes was trust accountability and commitment. The, his, 
his um I think it's trust loyalty and respect right right it's it's really really similar but he preaches unity in the locker room um you don't he he will not get into players pointing fingers at at different sides of the ball um he really is a great leader of men which is you, you get he's he's really the right mix of schematic like scheming like he's the you know he's the offensive guy puts his offensive system and just the plain fact that he's a leader of men he he's well respected he's really kind of seen it all he's had all all sorts of players of of different types and they they really do gravitate towards he's got he's that he'll he'll preach bear bryant he coach the hell out of him and hug him afterwards that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's great stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's great information. Really appreciate that, Jess. Um, as far as like offense and defense, it looks like we're going to be very aggressive on both sides of the ball. It looks like man man defense would probably be uh, you know expected a lot. It looks like he you know relies on his corners, but he expects his front seven to win up front. And then offensively, it's about you know just mixing in some balance, but also taking shots downfield. Uh, that's that's awesome to hear. It is. It, it, it'll be exciting. And, and with the talent, you guys, I mean, just let's let's see you guys do well. Just not when when we come to town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, that's that's both of us, right? I'd say the same right. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But I'd love to see BA succeed, but I'd rather him not be. That <laughs> <laughs> make that the one loss that we get. But win the Super Bowl, BA. <laughs> right? I, I will take that. I'll take lose the Cardinals, but win the Super Bowl. Lose the Cardinals the regular season. Heck, if we have to play in the playoffs, you can lose us then too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 if if uh, I I would not my I, I would not feel bad to see to see BA succeed, and and plus it would give him another basically another <laughs> another quarterback to reform essentially to to take because his. Let's be honest. He has a type of quarterback. Jameis is that guy, and he's always he's always had success with these blue chip quarterback guys. Um, you know, with say what you want about being the quarterback whisperer, he's just really good with maximizing the talent of those blue chip guys. Peyton Manning, he's blue chip. Ben Roth, blue chip. Tim Couch was a blue chip at one time, and he got great success. Carson Palmer was a number one pick. All of his successes have come with top ten picks and who have big arms and big frames. And and even he I mean he had even moderate success with Bling Gabbard for crying out loud in that last year. So he he knows what he's doing. He's not gonna take like like when they drafted Ryan Lindley and Logan Thomas, I think there was a little much to expect them to turn into anything. When BA his his great successes have been taking great talent and making that great talent perform at high levels. Yeah, specifically number one overall picks too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But Jess, thank you for all the great information. That was awesome. Gave us a whole new vision of what we should expect as Buck fans and where we're going to go, even going into the offseason, like what we should be looking in high value of like what players, the defense values, what players, offense values. Like we didn't, these were all question marks and everyone was all disgruntled and, oh God, I don't know. We just have this, there's so many question marks. I'm like, every team has question marks. That's what's so <laughs> fun about the offseason. You get to learn what your team's going to be. 
And I know you're going to be going through that, but thank you for clearing up a lot of answers or a lot of questions that we had and giving us those hard, really truthful answers. Yeah. Well, I appreciate being to have the opportunity to talk with you guys. Yeah, and, and let's move let's move into uh, the Cardinals a little bit. Talk about you know I know they've made some moves, um, you know already. I mean with Robert Alford and uh, getting uh, Tanner. I think it was Tanner of a I can't pronounce his last name, but oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, what do you think of? I mean, looking at the off season, I mean, what do you think as far as you know the direction of this team? How what would be your priorities going forward to uh, make it a better a better team? Well, they, they've already taken care of one of the major positions that's been a question mark. That's at the important position. Now, we'll, we'll see if it, how things play out because Alfred wasn't particularly good last year. He's 30 years old, uh, had a lingering injury, so maybe that was the issue. But the, the, the last offseason, every offseason move outside of the draft was a disaster. Sam Bradford, terrible. Andre Smith, atrocious. Um, Justin Pugh was eh, to start the year and then got hurt again and ended up on injured reserve. Jamar Taylor, the trade at cornerback, they ended up cutting him. Basically, every move failed last offseason. And so you look at a move like this, Alfred makes sense. Vallejo's fine. I mean, he's he's not a starter-type player. He's, he's a rotational player with special teams with the potential where he could start and produce. Um, adding Brooks Reed is nice depth. Well, what's what actually what I'm kind of most impressed about this off season is, is the trend of the Cardinals beating out other teams for the services of particular people. So Cliff Kingsbury, he chose the Cardinals over the jets. He left the jets to come here. Uh, Vance Joseph had other offers. He came here, their offensive court, their offensive line coach, Sean Kugler. He came here. Uh, Robert Alford chose the Cardinals over other. Now, that was, I think, more financial because the Cardinals basically guaranteed him two years out of the three. Uh, so it doesn't make sense when the come. But the, it, it, the, the Cardinals, which were such a terrible situation a year ago, really uh, laughing stock of the league and really got a bad rap for, for already firing Steve Wilkes after one season. Highly respected coach in the league, only giving him one year. It's still, this is still apparently a destination, which is surprising. It's surprising after that, that, that it is still considered a destination. And so things are looking up there. Some of their waiver wire that they're taking advantage of being number one in the waiver wire. They got Pharaoh Cooper, uh, in the last season, DJ Swearinger really shores up the secondary is it looks in place now. Um, and we'll, we'll have to see what happens now. Uh, receiver is a major concern. Um, offensive line, of course, is going back to a 3-4. The defensive line, they need bodies on the defensive interior. They need help at linebacker. At outside linebacker, they're probably going to be set because it, aside from all the noise about Kyler Murray and this and that, it, it's going to be it's going to be Nick Bosa and maybe, maybe Josh Allen at the top of the draft. I, if, if it's any one of those, if really, it's I'm – if. I would be very surprised if it's anyone other than Nick Bosa. And 5% would say that it's going to be Josh Allen after that. And because I, from what I am hearing is that the Cardinals are not looking to trade. They, if, if they, they don't mind trading it out, but they want three firsts in that deal. And I don't want the Cardinals to trade down more than 
out of the top four, maybe five, because there are four blue chip prospects there at the top, in my opinion, and in Bosa and Josh Allen and Quinn and Williams and probably Jonah Williams as well. I don't know if anyone else is at that same level in terms of in terms of talent um, in the draft. And the Cardinals many, many, many years ago had the chance to draft Terrell Suggs, traded out and for first two first round picks and ended up with Bryant Johnson and Calvin Pace with those two picks. And so remembering that you don't like, if you have the chance to take elite talent, even if it doesn't fill a specific need, you take the elite talent because if you get just decent players, good players after that, you're, you're, you're passing up on a game changing talent. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And that's great stuff. It looks like it's going to be uh, busy off seasons for both of our teams. So definitely looking forward to the off season. But again, I just want to thank you uh, so much for uh, joining us tonight and taking the time out of your busy schedule and, and uh, talking some football with us. No, no problem. Appreciate having, uh, having me on. I, I enjoy I enjoy talking. Heck yeah, Jess. And good luck with Cliff Kingsbury and the whole evolution of what the Cardinals are going to be. Like, I bet you have the same questions and are looking for the same answers. <laughs> that I am. That's yeah, true. Uh, buddy. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy the, your son's, um, what'd you call it? You were at, He's got a symphony concert tonight. Symphony so concert. He, he plays bass in an orchestra. Hey. That's awesome. Good luck, and I hope he does awesome. All right. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, that was great stuff. I mean, uh, <laughs> I like how he said at the end, he's like, yeah, I definitely love talking. So, and uh, But, man, he had so much information. Like, this was uh, definitely an educated guy. Like, he knows what he's talking about. Um, very, very smart football guy. Just has a, has a down pat. And, I mean, like he said, that is his – that's his career job. Like his, his teaching job is his hobby. So uh, it was just awesome to have him on. And hopefully we can talk with him uh, during the regular season once we play the, uh, the Cardinals that are coming here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's all about networking, building mm-hmm. relationships, and yeah. just getting to know everyone that is in the NFL scene and just getting to know each other's organization. Just fun. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Don't just be, oh, they suck, blah, blah, blah. No, they get to know everyone you're facing. It's not just – Everyone sucks, mm-hmm. right? Everyone is pretty good. It's yeah. what do you have that's better, right? Yeah. But, I mean, he had a lot of knowledge yeah. and a lot of questions that we all had were answered. I, I think mean, so. Like, we just have a better understanding of what this, what to expect from this staff. And, I, and it's actually, you know, if, if you guys could see our reactions while he was talking, it was pretty funny because, like, we were just thinking of it like personnel matches all the coach, like what they're going to bring. Like we have this guy that can do this. Like when he said slot corner, I'm like, okay, VH3 can do that. Or yeah. MJ Stewart can yeah. do that. All these guys, I mean. And the way they blitz and the middle linebacker. Yeah, linebackers being the right? priority with Levante David who's going to. Yeah. Put, put edge rushers around that. And then he said like, yeah, the, the mm-hmm. three d- defensive linemen right. just stop the run. Yeah. Vita Bay is already one of them. Which we have. Like, our three starters can do both. Like, they can all do both. They can rush the passer and stop the run. Yeah. JPP and NASA both do that very well. So, I'm excited. Right. It gets me pumped up. But, uh, yeah. He did a lot of, lot of good things. (laughs) And then the fact that he said that the running game, David Johnson, just when he got David Johnson, he started using him as as a wide receiver out wide. Right. And that the fact that, okay, obviously, put Larry Fitzgerald one side, David Johnson the other. Hmm. Point blank, obvious thing. Yeah, I was surprised he said Dirk is a great X's and O's. Yeah, 
<laughs> but what he but what he said about Dirk was spot on. I mean, like yeah. pass happy, abandons the run, um, doesn't like talking to the media. So all those things were uh, very spot on. The only thing I didn't get to ask him was uh, about tight end OJ Howard and yeah. how he was going to be utilized because he really hasn't had a tight end like like OJ. But OJ's a freaking in nature of himself. So <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, the closest he had was Gresham. Yeah, Gresham was a high pick. Yeah. But he's not the animal that O.J. Howard is. That's a whole other different category. And I'm thinking it's more like how he said. He's old age with new age, and he learns things, and he's applying it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he did with David Johnson. He didn't use it before. He's like, holy crap, these guys are catching the ball left and right. Mm-hmm. So if he has a weapon like O.J. Howard, he's going to use it and look up, okay, what the hell can I do with this? Yeah, yeah. And, again, he went to the Cardinals with nothing. And B.A.'s been saying over and over, Oh, I'm loaded right now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm reloading because I have all this. Right. And it's just, I'm going to use it right. I'm going to use. And then even today, mm-hmm. he came out saying about Winston, how him, Clyde Christensen, and Byron Leftwich have been looking at him saying, okay, he's just staring down a safety too much. Yeah. His feet are getting tangled up. It's just mechanics. He's got to get these things down. And I think he's going to be the one that's going to push through it, not get mm-hmm. all jumbled up and lose it. And yeah. these are, oh. Yeah, like, these are great points. Him, yeah, I was, I was. Yeah, and yeah. we'll we'll probably go into this on our next podcast even more. But like, there's a lot of things that came out from his information, and really, it shows like what we're going to do this off season. Like, and we'll get into that as far as names and and who matches what. But uh, yeah, it was great stuff. One more thing, and then how he said Todd Bowles at halftime makes all these adjustments. Yeah. That's music to my ears. Right? We, yeah. we didn't make any adjustments. Yeah. yeah, we made some adjustments, but we'd always be losing the game. Todd Bowles making adjustments. It's almost like Raheem back in the day. Yeah. Right? He was a head coach, but then he'd make a big adjustment at halftime. Todd Bowles and how happy and how adamant he was, he's a damn good defensive coordinator. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Bring it. Bring it, buddy. <laughs> bring it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my thoughts exactly. I mean, do we have anything else we wanted to dive into? Are we wrapping it up? Uh, I know we're going long here. No. Over, an hour, over an hour, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good to me. Okay, yeah. Um, if I think we had some questions, but I'm gonna, we're going to get to them on the next podcast. We'll be sure to answer those. Uh, but also... Guys, if, if you want to help us out, please, uh, reviews on iTunes would be big for us. Um, comments, anything that you have, uh, on you can share it on uh, Podbean or Google Play. But anything of that nature, that will help us out a lot. But we appreciate all that you do for following us and, and keep on listening and sharing. Um, really respect everything you guys do for us. So uh, this is our hobby. This is our job one, pretty much, uh, and we love it. Uh, but with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we'll catch you next time on probably be later this week. And be sure to follow us at Real Bucks Talk. Check us out on iTunes, like always, Google Play and Podbean. And everyone have a great week. Go Bucks. Yeah.